Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lafondra looking to get caught side of Fon. Lafondra away from David. 3 1 running. Three points running. Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Empire Rolls podcast, supported by Blue Collar Street Food. We are in the midst of the International World Cup break. And joining me today is James Earnshaw. James, how are you doing now there is no Reading games to be covering? Yeah, good. Thanks, Alex. Just nice to have a bit of a break uh, from all the hustle and bustle of championship football. But, you know, no doubt, give it a few days and I'll be missing it already. I was not long now until the World Cup starts and mm. England's first game is next Monday. So, yeah, not too long to wait. Today, we're going to take a little look back at Reading's first half of the season and how they have got on. James, obviously going into the season, the expectation for Reading and the hope for Reading was that they would stay up. Mm. I don't really think there was much in the way of any other different opinions because all of the pundits before the start of the season, all of the other podcasts out there had Reading getting relegated and most of them had Reading finishing bottom. Yeah, no, it was probably the easiest season for uh, managers to sort of rile the players up because everyone had written them off or a ball was kicked. Um, so all they had to do was stick a few of them up on the ball and you know and tell them to go out and prove them wrong. And so far they've done that. Yeah, it was one of those uh, one of those things where you can put it up on the wall and hope for the fact that it just motivates players for mm. the whole season. And at the start of the season, we, we went up to uh, Lancashire. I want to say Blackpool mm. in Lancashire. Yeah, yeah somewhere exactly. on the north <laughs> northwest coast, um, and we put in a. A relatively okay performance, I thought, but we didn't manage to get any points. It, it was a, it was a bit of a. It gave me more hope coming away from Blackpool, certainly mm. than, than I was expecting. Yeah, the second half performance was deserving of a goal and and arguably a point. They didn't threaten too much other than the, than the goal that they took. It's one of those games where first half they're on top, second half we're on top. A draw was probably fair, but we just couldn't get the ball over the line. But you know it was. We certainly didn't go out there and disgrace ourselves, and that was with a very threadbare team by that point. I mean, Saar still wasn't signed on. We were still playing a then relatively unknown Nesta at left-back who had a bit of a baptism of fire against Josh Bowler. Uh, Mate had just come back having not played for a whole season. Aziz had just gone down having had a good, se- good pre-season, so it was all a bit up in the air. So uh, to only go out losing one, I don't think it was too bad a performance, and obviously we went on at home and, and pushed on. Yeah, the the next kind of four or five games, we actually picked up four wins the next five. And Shane Long's homecoming 
at, at home against Cardiff, managing to score back on his first first start at the select car leasing stadium with a penalty. And Reading go on to win from behind. So and that's happened a couple of times this season now. And I think that Cardiff game gave a lot of, I guess, the season ticket holders, a lot of the, the home fans, a lot of hope that we weren't going to just be cannon fodder because it was a it was a performance against a team which were quite fancied. Cardiff made a lot of signings in summer and they they didn't necessarily put it all together and Reading looked good that day. Yeah, it was important to get that first home win off sort of early doors and build a bit of momentum at home, which teams that stay up notoriously have good home records and it's something that we've sort of lacked over the last few years. But it was important to get that early win and, um, you know, we looked to call value for it. So it was certainly a confidence booster. Yeah, it was a lot. Of, there was a lot of confidence after that Cardiff game. And I think there was a lot of optimism because our next game was going to be a, like away. It was away at Rotherham. And I think everybody kind of has Rotherham as one of these, you know, relegation threatened teams every time they're in the championship and probably with, you know, fair, fair points. And it, it doesn't surprise anybody that they're always going to be talked about in that, in that discussion. However, the first half at Rotherham was probably one of the worst halves of football that I can remember as a Reading fan for us. And I would, can't imagine that you've seen anything worse than that either. No, it was just one of those days where everything went wrong. Um, first half, it's just every decision was the wrong decision. Every mistake was punished. And I guess every now and then you get one of those games, you know, at the time it was a bit bit panicky thinking, you know, if, you know is this going to be the norm? Thankfully, we've gone on and proved that it was just an off day and we can forget about it. But I mean, the players have come I mean, on from Joe, strength to strength. I'm glad Joe Lumley's forgotten about it because it really wasn't <laughs> one of his best days, was it? That was worrying in the mm. third game of the season after all of the kind of like talk we had about Joe Lumley being error error strewn and error prone to have a, a first half like that where at least two of the goals were, were his fault. It's yeah, but the him. important thing is the way he's bounced back and recovers, um, which yes, at the time but, obviously we didn't know, but yeah, it was panicky. Oh, yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, the way that he bounced back, but not only the way he bounced back, because the next game we were at home against Blackburn, and I think Blackburn might have won every game up to that mm, point. Yeah, they had. They were top of the league, and they came to Reading, and I think it was a midweek game, and we put in probably our best home performance that I can remember in years, absolutely years, and we just dominated them from start to finish. And it's going to be one of those games where people look back in a couple of years' time, and when Reading aren't playing well and they're, you know, drawing games and dropping points people will point at that Blackburn game and be like oh that's the kind of performance that we need to put in press high against this team and play quick football and look to try and hit teams on the break and we completely dominated Blackburn that day from start to finish and we got a 3-0 victory and it all of a sudden that Rotherham game felt like it was long in the long distance in the memory. Yeah, it kind of sums up what, what this season will be, you know, and, and the peaks and troughs that we've already experienced to go in the space of four or five, you know, three or four days to go from such a low to such a high. And as you said, probably the best home performance for a long, long time. Um, but that kick-started that little bit of a run, didn't it, really? And um, that arguably could be the team's downfall come the end of the season if everyone had their expectations slightly, you know, adjusted and uh, ultimately, the bottom line is still to stay up. Yeah, the the that little run you're talking of, of course, 
we got a one nil win against Middlesbrough that weekend mm. at home, followed by the following weekend we went to Millwall, uh, and saw the debut of Naby Sarr as well, who got a headed set piece goal in what is his only start so far still for Reading, and Reading were actually top of the league for, I think Reading were top of the league at the end of the game mm. that day, weren't they, James? And it was um, three clean sheets in a row, three wins in a row, and all of a sudden maybe people's expectations were being raised a little bit. Yeah, it was one of those, such a sort of non-Reading performance from the last sort of three or four years where you've gone to such a tough place to go. You scored early and you've actually managed to see the game out, which is what we were doing. But that sort of run, we were nicking a goal and defending well and maybe getting a, a bit of the rub of the green, but doing enough to, to win the game. And it's something that over the last three or four weeks, we've maybe not had so much of. Um I think that was our first win at Millwall in almost 10 years. And, you know, it was a great day in the sun of everyone enjoying it and being top of the league and, you know, making the most of of what we get when we get it. Because we all know it's going to be a tough season, but you've got to enjoy the highs when they come along. Yeah, you have to enjoy them because ultimately you always come back down to earth with a mm. bit of a bump. And Reading definitely did that with their second 4-0 loss of the season <laughs> following. And this is, we're still only a month into the season at this point and Reading have already lost 4-0 twice. So we went up to Sheffield United on a, a Tuesday night and let's be honest, Sheffield United are clearly the class of this division, along with probably Burnley. Mm. And they tore us to shreds. Uh, we never looked in this game. I think we might have had one shot on target the entire match. Yeah. And Sheffield United were just, they were a, a, an absolute leagues above us that day. Yeah, it's one of those games where you just got to hold your hands up and say... Yeah, they, they were the better team. You know, it's disappointing that we couldn't sort of maybe close up shop and, and not lose sort of as heavily as we did. Um, but, you know, we, we know that the, the limitations of this squad and, um, you know, we all knew or, you know, expected to lose. So it's one of those games where you go up there in hope, not expectation. And, you know, we all come to be beaten, but those are, aren't the games we're going to be judged against um, at the end of the season. Um so it wasn't the massive surprise. And we we did, again, one of these things Reading this season has been kind of how they've bounced back after these poorer performances because we then immediately followed up a midweek loss with a weekend win at home against Stoke. And this was another one where I don't think we necessarily played that well against Stoke, but we managed to pick up three points, partly, and, and this was Lucas Zhao's kind of first First uh, big game of the season, I guess, and he picked up a double, scoring after what was it, two, three minutes with a, a Joe Lumley long ball, which yeah. completely fooled the Stoke goalkeeper. Yeah, no, it was a great game um, live on Sky. Yeah, it was good that Reading managed to pick up a win against a team that just changed manager, which doesn't happen, hasn't happened historically too often. Um, but you know, those are the kind of games that Reading got to be winning. You know, the teams that are going to be sort of meandering in mid-table that. You know, we're not expected to beat the top six, but there's not as many top six as there are sort of cannon fodder in this league. And those sort of average games are the ones we've got to get on the right side of. And thankfully, we've done that more so than not this season. And unfortunately, the kind of the inconsistent consistency, mm. like really it's only <laughs> head once again, straight away at our, our next game, because we turned up against Sunderland and put mm. in an absolute stinker of performance. And... I seem to remember Sunderland's, I want to say it was their last goal, and it ended with something stupid like 28 passes and they scored, or I, 
I can't remember the exact figures, but mm-hmm. they, they scored a goal which started off from the goalkeeper and it they knocked around the ball 20 times and scored with it. The Athletic did a whole article about the goal because it was that good. Um, and Reading were five yards behind the ball the entire night that night. And we lost 3-0 with 2,000 Sunderland fans like going mm. absolutely berserk behind the goal. And that was a, another, another little worry there against Sunderland because you put in a performance against Stoke, you win... You know, you've picked up five wins this season by that point, and things are looking okay. Like, we're, I think we're just outside the playoffs at this point. Maybe we were sixth or seventh. And Sunderland came to came to Reading, and they just tore us to shreds, and it looked like we absolutely had no answer for it, no ideas whatsoever. Yeah, and we've seen that sort of pattern throughout, just before international breaks, where we go on a bit of a run. But then we always seem to win the game directly before the international break, which we then did away at Wigan after that. And which we did last week against Hull. But um, I just think it's, you know, it's, it's an excuse, which, you know, no one likes to hear excuses, but this team just, have, they, have to, they have to put so much into every game to get results out of it that they, they do tire. And towards the end of sort of heavy spells, they do seem to be a long way off it. Um, so we the hope is... struggle in those midweek mm, games, don't we? Yeah. And it, I don't know sort of what, whether the... You know whether the the mentality is different in those kind of games. Whether whether the manager places more emphasis on winning games after international breaks to give them that bit of buffer. Um, I'm not. You know, we'll never know. But there, there's definitely a pattern there where sort of as it goes on, we look leggier and leggier, and then maybe they get one last kick up the bum before the break to say, look, come on, get a win before the break, and then we can go again after the break. But it's definitely sort of a coincidence. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to go into the break on the back of a loss. And thankfully, no. we didn't. The first international break of the season came at the end of September. And Reading went up to, to Wigan, picking up three points, thanks to a Tomins direct free kick. And mine and Lansley's northern away <laughs> day curse was finally broken after four or five years. Dai Young was in attendance. And it was a very odd game. Wigan just didn't have, I think Wigan hit the post, but it was from mm. across. And apart from that, Wigan didn't have a, a shot on target the entire match. And Reading kind of deservedly won without really actually doing much. Yeah, I mean, the league is incredibly weak this year. I mean, some of the teams, you know, I've not been impressed with anyone other than Sheffield United, even Burnley. Um, you know, they created a lot of half chances, but there was nothing when they when you thought, bloody hell, they should have scored there. Um and that was a classic game where two teams didn't play particularly great, but one of them managed to win. And that's what we've got to do this year if we've got to sort of stay away from that bottom three. Yeah, and I guess Wigan now sitting inside the bottom three just just about currently. Mm-hmm. So having picked up three points against them in, later in the season, it, you know, it could prove crucial if we do end up closer to that relegation zone. So we've already beaten them. And not give them the chance to be able to gain three points in us by by beating us, you know, twice this season. And we did the same the game after the international break as well with a home game against a pretty beleaguered Huddersfield side who mm. really looked quite poor against us. I mean, I thought three 0 flattered us, and I mean, I know they scored a corner right at the very end as a consolation, but it flattered us because I don't think Reading really were playing incredibly well, but Huddersfield were really poor that day. And it was not a surprise that they were bottom of the table. And mm. 
I just you can't like at that point of the season, I couldn't see a way that Huddersfield would stay in this division. Obviously, things have moved on a bit. They're still bottom of the table, but it's they you got you had to be like concerned if you're a Huddersfield fan after that performance because three 0 was. It's not going to happen a lot this season that Reading are going to easily just put teams away like that without being on their best day. Yeah, we went 3-0 up in second gear, really. Um, they're the worst team that I've seen at the Nesky for SCL for a long time. I think the only other team that comes near that is Luton. When they first came up, we beat them 3-0 under Mark Bowen. And I thought, this looks a big old sort of gap that they've got to, they've got to make to stay up. But you know, COVID happened and they did and they've gone from strength to strength. I mean, you saw it when we got to the player find under Yapstown and we came, what, 21st the year after? Huddersfield are really struggling. They've lost the real core of their team, including their manager. Um, they just seem to have lost all that sort of feel-good factor that would have been around the club last year. And, you know, when you get in a bit of a rut, it's hard to sort of bring that back. But they've got to, by hook or by crook, sort of stay up this year and regroup and, and you sort of go again and, and try and build, build year on year from next year. Yeah, I think definitely there's a... There's something to be said for the fact that they, they as a club, don't have a lot of investment currently. They're really struggling to get money to come into the club. And I think their chairman has, has really stopped putting any money into the club himself. So they're relying essentially on whatever money they make. And they're not a big club, Huddersfield. Um, so they're, they're struggling to spend any money. They struggle with wages. So it's maybe not surprising that they're down there at the bottom after what was, let's be honest, kind of a miracle playoff run. Uh, to get get there last season with Corbran, I I would yeah I would be very concerned still if I was a Huddersfield fan at the moment and thankfully I'm not because it means that I can go and watch Reading. We didn't lose the game after, but that uh, game against Norwich, despite the fact it was a good performance, it did kick off a little bit of a bad run of form. However, the Norwich game itself, James was. It was a really good marker in the sand, I think, for Reading. It was our first draw of the season, one all at home. And I don't think that Reading ever really looked like they were going to lose that game. And if anything, we probably should have picked up all three points against the team, which is probably one of the favourites to go up this season at the start of the year. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, I think they had one or two sort of half chances, but their goal shouldn't have counted, obviously, because Handley was stood offside and, and I think it hit his hand as well. So I think there was two calls there for where it could have been ruled out. Um, at the time, we thought it was a really good point, you know, on a team that are up there. I mean, they're in a bit of a free fall at the minute, aren't they? They haven't picked up too many great results over, certainly not living up to the expectations of pre-season. But whenever you don't lose to a team that have just come down, it's always a good you know, a good point or, or a very good win if you can pick up against anyone with the parachute payments and, and with the squad that Norwich have that should really be challenging right up there to go back up again. Um, and yes, it's good to get draws. I mean, rather than winning and losing, it's, you know, I've never cried out for a draw more than this season, but it's nice just to, you know, solid, solid basis of a performance. Yeah, I mean, if you get a point in a game this season, you're probably going to stay up just. So 
can't really complain at a draw this year if we if we get if we get a few of them. Like I'm not going to complain, especially against teams who are going to be probably higher up in the table than Reading at the end of the year. If we if we pick up a few of those points where we don't necessarily think that we're going to before the game, mm-hmm. it gives us a much better opportunity. Uh, you know, get into those expectations. The following three matches was not a fun ten days to be a Reading fan, though. <laughs> Going ahead at QPR, and we went back to the top of the league. I have no idea how we've gone back to the top of the league at QPR, having been a month since we were top of the league previously. Every team seems to just have had its mm. little runs this season of poor results. And this was the start of Reading's. Although we went ahead in this game with, and from Andy Carroll, it lasted about two minutes, I think, James, yeah. uh, with the penalty. And once QPR scored, it nearly it felt all QPR that day Hutchinson went off injured as well that day and it it felt like a lot fell apart on that Friday night in in West London yeah about all QPR even before their goal to be fair I mean it was a penalty which was a dubious one at that anyway um I don't think we created anything really before we went one up with the penalty it was just one of those games where you'd hoped like a Middlesbrough or like a Cardiff where you could sort of see off a late onslaught but whenever you can see almost directly after you've just scored yourself and you know you then give QPR what 45 50 minutes to, to score a second it was always sort of on the cards you know it's, it's horrible to come so late and then to come so frustratingly from our own mistake of giving away a penalty um but I don't think anyone could argue with the with the result really it was frustrating because that it was a late penalty as well I think it was yeah. like 85 minutes 86 minutes when they when they got their penalty and it was such a Kind of a needless one to give away. I think Loon tripped yeah. um, tripped the player as he was kind of going away from goal and didn't really need to do it. And it it did kick off a little run of, of games where we were struggling to hold on to leads and we weren't we weren't necessarily holding the games. We weren't managing to keep ourselves composed in the games and conceding late on. And we went on to lose two 0 against West Brom and they had that kind of anti-Bruce bounce, as it were, mm. uh, once they kicked Steve Bruce to the to the curb. And we put in kind of a performance which was a bit reminiscent to the Sunderland performance. And it just that the Reading never got out of second gear against against West Brom at home. And then we followed that one up with a, a an away loss against Swansea City, where we went 2-0 up and 35 minutes into the game, you would have thought, great, we're 2-0 up against Swansea who've been put on a little bit of a good run of form I think they've won four out of their last five before mm. that and we had two up after 35 minutes and we were not playing very well but we'd scored two on the counter and we somehow managed to collapse within 40 minutes I think by the 75th minute we were somehow 3-2 down and it was a really really shambles of a, of a 40 minutes and we just sat back and let Swansea just completely play into us yeah the minute Swansea scored that first you knew it was coming I mean it was the least deserving 2-0 lead I think I've ever seen anyone run into uh, and then the minute you score sort of just before half time you think oh god you know that gives them the whole half to grab one to at least get something and then you think well you know you're 2-0 up at least come away with a point away at Swansea and then you know the minute they got the equaliser you thought oh god they've got ages to get the winner and it it always just felt like Swansea were the team in the ascendancy, even when we scored the two and went 2 0 up. So it, it was as much as it was disappointing and frustrating, it wasn't 
a surprise sitting there watching the game thinking they were going to come out and win because it just it never felt like Reading were in control or Reading were even or they even keel with Swansea it felt like we were always on the back foot and the goals were coming and, and they came I mean I think we probably got a little bit fortunate because we ended up playing Bristol City at home in the next game and Bristol City didn't really offer anything against us at, at, at the SCL and we scored from a set piece with with Loom I think getting his first mm. goal for the club that day and then a, a lovely counter-attacking goal in the 90th minute to seal it from uh, with Shane Long linking up with Andy Carroll up front. And that really was the start of a of a period when people started questioning who are we going to play up front this season? Because mm. we weren't we haven't really been creating that many chances in the games prior to that. And all of a sudden, Shane Long and Andy Carroll was definitely mooted as a as a potential starting you know, starting pair up front. I don't think we've actually seen it yet from no. from memory, but um, it's definitely kicked off a little bit of a conversation that Ince doesn't necessarily know his best two up front still, does he? No, and I asked him this on Saturday because Saturday was his ninth separate strike pair, pairing that he's used. Um, it's hard to, though, because no one's sticking out, are they? No striker has gone in there and, and looked every, no, comfortably looked better than the rest. You know, I think the top scorer is, yes, it's Zhao, but it's also Tom Ince. You know, they're, they're both tied on four. Um, the next one's down on three after, what, 22 games? I mean, no one's gone in there and and really grabbed hold of that shirt. Ince said that he wants to go back eventually when everyone's fit to a 4-2-3-1. So he only really wants to play one striker. And even one isn't really pushing out to, to stand up, let alone two. So um, I think until then, it's just a case of seeing who you're playing up against and, and what strikers you think will sort of best complement who you who you're who you're playing. Yeah, I mean going back to four two three one would be an interesting move, I think, considering the squad we have. I I'm I don't know how it would lend itself necessarily to four two three one. We we're very kind of like top heavy with a lot of strikers. And actually we don't actually have that many creative players and we we looked better defending or we've had five at the back than four at the back and It'll be interesting if we could do go back to four two three one to to see kind of like who makes the squad and who who drops out. Um, players like Hendrick and Hoylet, whether they make the squad and you know whether who what who'd start up front. There's a lot of questions around whether yeah. we move to four two three one. I think. Yeah, no, and um, he didn't put obviously any time limit on this. I mean, it could be looking next season if we stay up and the the embargo goes and he can. Following the Bristol game, then James, we. We had a week, a midweek with no game, and we went up to Burnley, and we performed really well at Burnley, really, mm. really well. Um, I know we lost, and I think it's probably lost on a lot of people who didn't necessarily watch that game how well we actually played. And Burnley fans will say that Reading weren't trying to win the game, but I think it can definitely be argued that they were, especially in that last ten minutes because we looked the better side, and I'm not sure that. Burnley were really that much better than us that day. No, that one really hurt. That will be one of the ones you look back on and think, Ugh, you know, if, if we were to go down or whatever, then you'd think, oh, God, what could what could have been there? Because, you know, yeah, you know, we were defensive, but, you know, you're going away to Burnley, you've just come down that it's near the top of the league. You know, what do you expect, you know, Reading to, to do? They obviously would be very happy with the point. But then again, you go up there and, you know, we had two or three sort of decent chances before the penalty 
And then you had the most blatant penalty in the world that was turned down. And you think, even if you miss that, you at least you take away a point. If you score that, you take away all three. And you think just, you know, what that boost could have given to the players to go away to a top team like that and to, and to win in the last minute. You know, they'd have been walking on cloud line. And in the end, they, you know, they'd have been as low as low as anything because, you know, they had a crawly snatched away in the last seconds. And you could t- you could tell because it kick-started a bit of a slump, didn't it? We, we, you know, we didn't win again until Hull after that. Yeah, four and a half hour drive home after losing in the last minute when we should have mm. really been picking up all three points was it was a miserable drive home, I can tell you that. Um and I'm sure yours wasn't wasn't much better, James. No. The we got an opportunity to kind of turn things around very quickly with the midweek game against Luton. And this probably goes down as one of the worst quality games I've seen <laughs> this year so far. I think I've I think I've been to I don't know, fifty games this year, but Luton has got to have been one of the worst quality games I've seen all year. It, it played out like a team, uh, like two Sunday league teams almost. <laughs> it it really was a, 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 a struggle to watch that one. Yeah, I mean, you get those every now and then. And it's just, you've just got to dig in and make sure you don't lose them. I mean, isn't it? I think Steve Copper used to always say that Watford was a game where, you know, Watford under Rady Boothroyd would just try and disrupt everything and all you've got to do is come out with a nil-nil draw and that's a good result. And, you know, Luton, obviously, were probably the team perhaps looking to win it more than we were, but it was two teams that were both, you know, there was definitely no lack of effort, but there was a real lack of quality. And it's one of those games where if you lose that, it's really frustrating because there's nothing in it. And nil-nil was by far sort of the fairest result. And in the end, a point against Luton isn't a bad result the way things are at the minute. Yeah, I mean, Luton are sitting inside the playoffs just about, um, actually just outside the playoffs, but it doesn't look like a bad point at all, I don't think, a, a nil-nil away at Luton. And this was just before Nathan Jones left as well. And they mm. were, like, they, they had lost against Watford previously, but they, they were looking like a reasonably good side still. And they, you know, still sitting in the top half. So nil-nil away there is, is not, nothing to be ashamed of at all. But obviously on the back of the fact that we'd lost in the last minute at Burnley, mm. And the fact that we'd lost three of the previous four before that, suddenly there's some jitters in in the fan base around what's going on. And it doesn't really get any better because then we put in a, a, a really limp performance at home against Preston mm-hmm. with two Chet Evans goals and we go 2-1 down at home on Sky on a Friday night. And I think people started to get, there was definitely some concern around yeah. the slump that we were in because I think we'd lost what five of the five of the previous seven by that point. Yeah, Preston was a bad day. Um I mean in fairness Preston weren't amazing either, but they had a wily experienced striker up front against a relatively inexperienced back line. We didn't create anything of note really and they had they created two chances and they took them. I mean it's frustrating because both goals are very avoidable. Um but you know this this league is so tight that you know those things get punished and Preston on a a good run up there I mean they they went into the playoffs with that win so again I mean one one win and a draw and you were suddenly going from 15th to to the brink of the playoffs I mean it's that tight and those sort of home games against teams like Preston are the the games where you should be getting something really if you not if you want to stay up but if you want to be pushing sort of into the safer areas of 14th 13th and 12th yeah, I think when you look at this little run of games which ended with Watford away, obviously with another 2-0 loss against Watford, those previous eight games going right back to 
you know, when the winless or partly winless run started against Norwich, six of those teams were against teams who were above us in the table. The only teams mm. below us were Bristol City and West Brom. Mm. And West Brom, I think we can all agree, probably are not going to finish below Reading realistically. I think they're actually, you know, although they're, they're six points behind us, I don't think they're going to finish below us. Yeah. Their underlying um, numbers are actually very good as well. They're creating yeah, a lot. Creating a lot of chances. Corbran is only going to improve them. Mm. I'd be surprised they finished below us and, and we beat Bristol. So frustrating that we didn't beat any of the teams who are above us in the table, but also maybe not that surprising, James. No, I, I think it's the level of performance that was more frustrating and that, you know, we just seem so sluggish and, and so off it. And we, we seem to have a knack where a game or a performance of that standard is is not too far around the corner but you know we then have to realize that we're playing the same 13 or 14 players i mean uh, it's an excuse which is is wheeled out a lot and you know it's i, I don't like having to to use excuses when we're, we're not at it but i mean it, there is a valid point and it's not just physically demanding but mentally demanding to keep going every few days to drag yourself up if you're down or to keep yourself level um and then the injuries and you know we've, we've had a, a bad hand um but the performance levels during that run definitely sort of needed to be up a few notches and you know and then hopefully when they're all recovered and fresh there's no need for excuses then and they can go at it again and the coincidence of winning that last game before the international break occurred again on saturday james with the 2-1 victory against Hull city Reading didn't deserve three points in this game. I, like, I, I can't deny it. They didn't deserve three points. I'm not sure hold it either, but mm. a 1-1 would have been a very fair result. However, when you win away in the last minute after you've been on a really pretty crap run of form, you are going to take it every single day of the week. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, how many times have we been on the receiving end of, of things like that? It's just nice for once. In a while at Reading of the team celebrating in the last minute rather than rather than commiserating. But you know, it's a massive win. You know, it kind of stops the rot, stops people being disappointed going into a four-week break. You know, they can go on their holidays and go to Tenerife together as a group with a bit of a, a bounce, a bit of a buoyancy, and and with content knowing full well that we've got a lot of players that should be coming back. I mean, I think Paul said five or six players that would be in his you know, starting team weren't available on Saturday. So that's over half the team that could, you know, hopefully come Coventry, be back in. Naby Sar might actually finally make his home debut. Um, you know, it's looking There's going to be a lot of fans who, who've forgotten he actually plays yeah. for us, I think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, looking more and more by the day that Liam Moore's going to start getting reinvolved in the in the team again, you know, to uh, however you... However, that feels to separate fans, you know, but he's a Reading player. Yeah, I mean, we've got obviously four or five injuries and they're all still, still at the same position. Hutchinson out, mm. Starr out, Dan out, McIntyre out, Dan out, Moore out. There's a lot of injuries and they're all to centre-backs. Um, however, as you say, four weeks off, it, it can only really help us, I think. Yeah, it's a great time for us to have the break, really. I mean, it couldn't have come at a better time. The big thing now is obviously everyone's, well, you know, that everyone's banking on everyone being fit come the start of the break. I mean, with Reading's record, it wouldn't surprise me if we get six more injuries within a week of, of, of the of the 
restart. But you know, I think this is a big period now, sort of when you first come back from that break, you know, jump straight back into the swing of things and pick up another two or three wins where maybe some teams are, are lacking more players or, or not quite at it from the start. And you're then suddenly more or less practically there in terms of safety and you can start looking ahead at, at maybe setting a, a goal a bit higher up. I mean, James, uh, on that basis, I'm assuming that you do think that we're going to stay up now. Uh, see, I, I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. I think if we don't stay up from here, we, we'd have had a bad second half of the season. Like a really yeah. bad sort of almost a whole level when they lost Bowen and Grzycki and they like never won a game and dropped all the way down from like 10th to, to bottom. I mean, it's got to be that sort of standard. But you can never, I mean, it's keeps, you know, none of these players from January are even signed on for any longer. I mean, we could have a whole new team. I mean, if we lose the likes of Carroll and Benge and, and if these loans, because they've all got clauses, haven't they? Bowen said, these people, you know, if we lose the likes of Ince or if we lose and Beng, you know, we could lose players, Let, never like, never mind replace them. So it's too early for me. Yeah, if we, January is going to be big for us, I think, mm. even though we don't necessarily want, necessarily could bring anybody in, it's going to be big just in case of losing anybody as well. Mm. Obviously, Bengue and Carroll's contracts are up and just having them sign new deals is going to be really kind of crit, um, critical for, for the rest of the season, I think. We'll obviously be back at some point when Reading start playing games again in three and a half weeks. It still feels weird that we've got that long <laughs> off without a Reading yeah, game. No. No, I mentioned it on Sunday after the podcast, but yeah, it feels weird not having a game that for that long at this time of year. We'll be back then. Um, James, you'll obviously be continuing your, your Reading coverage during the World Cup, covering uh, the, the free players. Is it free players, I think, at the World Cup that Reading's got? Yeah, yeah, three current team players. Um, and there are seven in total that have at some point played for Reading. So it might be worth keeping half an eye on them. Um, so, yeah, should be an interesting few weeks. Yeah, but we'll obviously be rooting for uh, rooting for England and we'll be keeping an eye on how Canada and Ghana and Senegal will get on as well, just in case they are uh, still away come December the 10th on uh, World Cup duty with, mm. with their respective nations. So hopefully... Fingers crossed, without trying to sound too harsh, they're back with Reading. But <laughs> we'll see how they get on. And, and we will be back very soon. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, drop us a follow on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Give us a five-star review on Spotify or iTunes. And we'll be back very soon. And we will talk to you all then. Cheers.